0: No no place, and it does it anywhere, anywhere, it'll do it. We just let it be. Not a lot of this stuff we got going today that they call the baptism, but the real Holy Ghost. You know, the full gospel businessmen had a, years ago they were in Houston, and in the course of the meeting they were having different one testify, and this little old lady got up and said, today, he said, I'd had two cocktails, and I reached for the third, and the Holy Ghost said, two's enough. I said, will a real Holy Ghost please stand up? Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Let the real one. And no, no, no such as that goes on. You know, Paul, when Paul died, before he died, he he wrote, he said, he was free of the blood of all men. Think about that. You know, I don't know about you, but I'm haunted a lot of nights that I've been commanded by God to take this gospel to every creature. The church, you and I, everyone in this building, God has commanded that we preach the gospel to every creature. Yet there's 2,000 plus million people on this earth never, never heard his name. And we believe we've come to the end of the age. So I, I, I believe that, that we are the people on whom the ends of this world has come. Paul, Paul, the only generation that ever reached their generation was the first one. But every indication never thought the Bible, the final generation will do that. Paul died, said he was free from the blood of all men. Well, I knew he hadn't told everybody on earth. He he sure hadn't told everybody, but he said, I'm free of that. But how he did that, he transferred the responsibility. He just put the responsibility. And that's, that's what we do. We go to these countries, you and I. We train that native and give him the responsibility of his own people. He'll have to answer to God then for it. But we can be free of the blood of all men, amen, by just simply training the native to carry the gospel to his own. You know, we have in Peru, 12,500 feet in the Andes, the first Bible school. We had many more up there. Never Pentecost had ever been on the top of those Andes mountains. The Indians were very beat down by the Peruvians. They were third, fourth class citizens. But I went there to Iota for the graduation of that school. And when we got there, everybody in that city village knew exactly where that school was. And they said, we don't know what to believe up here anymore. These crazy Pentecostals are the Roman priests. But they didn't know there was a difference. That's what we don't know down here much anymore. But they knew there was a difference. But you know, we planted... 85 churches across the top of that world up there. The the Indians himself did it. You couldn't live there. There's no way. But you know, we taught those people that the church is self-supporting no matter what the economy. It doesn't matter what the economy. I went to Beaumont to start the church in 1956. I knew nobody there. I'd never been there, and nobody invited me there But my wife and I both knew the Holy Ghost sent us there. We had no support, no sponsor, nobody. But I knew this, if I can get ten men saved and teach them to pay tithe, I can live as good as they do. And I've never on this earth asked for more than that. I never asked to live better than my people. I, I teach those Indians up there, they live off potatoes. I said, get 10 men saved, pay the tithes, you'll have many potatoes, anybody up here. You can live as good as they do. Amen. The church can support itself. And that is proved to be true wherever we are. 3,500 plus churches in Russia since 1992 across that vast world of Russia and the former Soviet Union. 3,500 plus churches planted by those students that went there. Self-supporting. My wife and I could move there today, need no support from anybody. They would support us because they've learned that this gospel works anywhere. They don't have to have us. They just need us to tell them what to do and make them know if you have God's Holy Ghost in you, you have everything necessary to do anything God wants you to do. It's wonderful how the baptism of the Holy Ghost simplifies this gospel. I don't have to look for any other experience. If I don't ever fall out, it don't make me no difference. Amen. If I fall out, all right. I I've saw fall people fall out by the hunters, did nothing to them. Amen. That's all well and good. I know that happens, but I don't have to do that. Seeking any extra additions to this, walk in the spirit and everything that's necessary. How simple. Gurus everywhere. Trying to sell us on a thousand different things. You need to be saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. You have in you everything to preach this gospel and to do whatever God wants you to do. I taught those students it would be wonderful if you had a keyboard. But you don't have to have it. Be nice if you had a singing group to go with you. But you don't have to have it. Be good if you had an automobile. But you don't have to. Paul never even had a donkey. But he carried the gospel. 1,800 miles. Planted along the major highways of Europe. And across Asia. Because he was full of God. Hallelujah. The key to everything is in us. In us. When God gave us himself. He gave us everything necessary to carry this gospel to the ends of the earth. I'm reading tonight in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 23 and 24. Verses 23 and 24, the fifth chapter of Thessalonians. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. That's W. W. H-O-L-L-Y completely, totally, absolutely. And I pray God, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that called you who also will do it. Not of greater scripture to you and me in the Bible than that one. Faithful is he who called you, who also will do it. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for this privilege again to be in this house. May the word of God have free course here tonight. Open us, not only to speak the word of God, but to hear it in the name of Jesus. Amen. May the God of peace sanctify you holy. You know the prominence among the elect of God, and I'm talking about those people that still are true to God, that haven't bought into all this neo-Pentecostalism that we have today, but the elect of God, those that still love truth as it is, and the prominence among that elect given to the holiness of God's people. I, everywhere I go, and I, I travel, I'm not invited into places that don't believe what I believe, but everywhere I go, there's a new emphasis on holiness. Everywhere there's this emphasis, emphasis on holiness along with the revival of the doctrine of the Lord's second coming. I believe that's one of the greatest signs of our time as to where we are. The fact that this this truth of holiness and the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is gaining such a platform again among us. But the opposition to these two subjects emphasize the force that they impress themselves on the minds of this generation in the heart of the church. You, you have in the Pentecostal church again a great emphasis on holiness and the second coming of the Lord but in that same ranks of that same church you have a well, opposition to these two, to these two messages. It isn't coming from outside of us. The opposition to this message is coming from the inside. Every person born of God has the same convictions that you had when you were born again. Who got away from them? The church took that away from them. Amen. You sit down in a church that birthed this thing and many of them will tell you you don't have to live that way. That very church that should have nurtured the truth have took those convictions away from them. Has took it away from them. The opposition is not the world, it's a religious crowd. That's always been the problem. When men lose God and continue to be religious, when we learn how to operate without God, it's a tragedy of all time. Now, these two truths, amen, holiness, and the second coming of Christ are linked together in the text that I read to you here tonight, amen. The former is the the preparation of the latter, and the latter is a complement of the former. Both of them are there. And in this message tonight, I want the attention to be drawn to sanctification. I want us to look at it tonight. In a light as we approach the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we talked about being sanctified, but when you look at the mixture that's among us tonight, when you when you look into the average church, Amen, and see the mixture, the connection between behavior and believing has been totally lost. Anything goes is Christianity today. Any kind of living, everything goes. It's not, it's not foreign. In the church, in the churches today that call themselves Pentecostal to find things that were totally intolerable just a few years ago. We've reached a place in time when we've got to redefine this great truth of sanctification. We've got to come back and realize we have been set apart for God. We're in a world but we're not of a world that has to be renewed in the church tonight. I do believe God wants an audience with his church maybe everywhere we should sit down for a moment and forget the people across the street and pull that church back together and delve into its soul. I talked to our superintendent of the South Texas District and I said to him, I believe if you'd bring those preachers together again and deal with the preachers two or three times a year, our church is a product of ministry. If it's a dead church, a preacher killed it. If it's a live church, that preacher made." It alive. Amen. God always put the blame at the door of the shepherd. He said, The shepherd has brought them to this place. You give a living church a dead preacher and he'll kill that church. But put a living man of God in that church and he'll bring it alive. Oh my God. Everything rests with that ministry. The school of Christ was born out of the book of Nehemiah. A lot of years ago God showed me. When that man of God went back. And for three days he looked it over. Never said a word to anybody. But for three days he looked it over. And he finally said the walls are torn down. And the gates are burnt out. You dig through that. You understand those walls are the kingdom of God. You can tear that down but those gates that's ministry they were burnt out and the third chapter of the book of Nehemiah is totally taken up of putting those gates in places amen to put that gate in place and the walls came up around that gate you put ministry in place put a man pregnant with God anywhere in the state of Florida let him birth that life and there'll be a church life doesn't come out the church, the church comes out of life. We have to examine again this truth of Sanctification, and the first thing you have to sit in your mind it's not a thing, it's not an it, it's a person. God has made Christ to be under us. Sanctification, it's not something we get, it's somebody that comes. It is Him, it is a person, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here they said the name God of peace. He said, May the God the peace sanctify you holy and the use of that the God the peace tells us it's useless to look for sanctification until you're reconciled to God. I wonder if that isn't our problem. If we have not put the cart before the horse, we're trying to make people holy that have never been birthed of God. We're trying to sanctify the unregenerate. We run them through our Sunday school and teach them how to be religious yet never been birthed of God Almighty. I pastored one church 35 years it took me 30 years to learn some truths that I want to tell you about tonight I'm going to tell you something I've come to this conclusion that at least 85% of what calls itself Pentecost in America today is nothing but tears never been birthed of God no no You, you don't have to beg a man that knows God to go to church you hear me you don't have to spend all day Monday you don't have to have reap and keep. You don't have to have that. I was a drunk before I got saved. Nobody had to come invite me to a bar. That's my nature. But I was birthed of God on the 21st. Oh, hallelujah. I was birthed of God and this is my nature. Nobody has to beg me to come to this house. I preached what I knew to be the truth. Took me a long time to learn that the reason some people didn't do it is because they weren't born again. Yes, sir, I preached tithing and wondered why some people didn't tithe. I learned you're not saved if you don't. If that preacher is a faithful man, if he proclaims this gospel, and you sit here and let others buy the pew, you sit on, you know nothing about this God. I said, you know nothing about this God. I tried to drag people to heaven that God wouldn't have let them in if I got there because they weren't birthed of God. We've tried to sanctify that before we ever justified it. We've got it into the wrong direction. As is the cause. The Bible said, if the foundation be destroyed, what will the righteous do? Take away the new birth from the church. Make it just, making Jesus a part of whatever you are and you've lost There's nothing you can do with the ungodly as bringing them to obedience to God. And that's what we've done. We've just made Jesus a part of what we are. We don't preach enough law to get a man lost. And you can't get him saved unless you get him lost. You have to first get him lost. But we just bring him in. And with a little sinner's prayer, make them a part of what we are. And the ungodly sits among us and wonder why adultery and everything else is rampant in the church. Because we've got the unregenerate. That's the nature of him. if I could go to the average church I know because a pastored one on a Monday morning asked the pastor to give me the absentee list let me call him grandma came went to the beach had to clean the garage no the trouble with you is you have no love for spiritual things you've never been birthed of God that desire to be in the house of God is in the heart of every human that knows anything about God. Now the the expression here, the very God of peace suggests that sanctification is a pathway to the deeper peace of God. The God of peace. Sanctification is a path to that deeper peace of God. Even the peace of God that passeth understanding. Last night I made the statement that I, I come to believe sanctification is instantaneous and it is progressive I never received a half Christ when I was born again I received all of him and this thing of progressiveness is not me getting more of Christ it's Christ getting more of me me giving myself to i totally possessed of God and this this God the peace of justification brings us the peace of God. Sanctification. Amen. Listen, justification brings us peace with God. But sanctification brings to us the peace of God itself. When I was born again, then there was peace between me and God. But progressively, I've come to have his peace within my heart. Now the cause of all unrest is sin I said the cause of all unrest is sin if you need a revival in your life individually or in the church is sin there nothing ever died without sin Adam having not eaten that tree could been this camp meeting tonight nothing dies without sin and you don't have revival until you deal with what killed it you're not gonna go. You're not gonna go to Toronto or Pensacola and have somebody impart it to you. I'm not talking about either one of them. I'm just telling you that you gotta deal with your own life if you're gonna have revival. There's gotta be repentance. There's gotta be coming to grips. All unrest is sin. Listen to it. The wicked are like the troubled sea. When it cannot rest. Whose waters cast up mary dirt. There's no peace saith God to the wicked. No peace. That's in Isaiah 57, 2021. But on the other hand. Great peace have they. That love thy law. And nothing shall offend them. Oh what a gospel. I said what a gospel. Sanctification brings the soul into harmony with God and the laws of its own being so it cannot be anything but peace I said it cannot be anything but peace sanctification brings into the spirit the abiding presence of the God of peace more and more as I come to die to all that's not him I come to understand the peace of God now the deeper meaning of the passage is that sanctification is the work of God himself. The Bible said he would do it. We've tried with our rules of religion to sanctify. Now all we've done is created people who are mean and junkyard dogs. The meanest people I know are people that are religious that don't know God because they're going to pour everybody into their little mold. If you don't look like they do in the first week, then it's out with you. Let me tell you something tonight. It's not the work of effort of man. It's the God of peace that sanctifies a man. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Being conformed to the image of Christ is a meaning of sanctification. It is one life being replaced by another life. This is the process of it all. As I die, he lives. As something in me becomes a burnt offering, there's more of Christ through walk in this great light. Now, literally the passage translates the God of peace himself sanctify you holy. This says his own personality is the author of our sanctification. Hallelujah. The personality of God. You notice in the Bible, you never have that term personality. That may be kind of an invention of our time. But it but it means some kind of a special person. When you talk about a personality, oh thank God he never looked for that. He just looks for persons and then gives them his personality. Yes, sir. It is all in with God, in his personality, not the work of a man or the means of outward strength struggling. It has nothing to do with that. It's God's own prerogative. This sanctifying of the human holy is a prerogative of God. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and it's the attainment of faith and not of works lest a man should boast. I watch the pride that come out of people that separate themselves sensually. There is that Holier than now attitude of the same Pharisee that Jesus had to deal with. But as a man walks with God and knows that he has nothing that he didn't receive, then there's a humility about that life that allows Christ to live in him. Amen. It is divine holiness, not human improvement. Thank God. Listen. The Holy Ghost makes me holy by imparting the virtues of Christ in my innermost being, and from there moving out. God began with the first man, with the body, made him outward beginning, and then worked inward. But with the new creation, the last thing to be redeemed is a body. He imparts the grace of Christ, of the graces of Christ, in the innermost being, and there is the holiness. As we begin to live this life, when it's no longer I, but it's Christ that lives within me. Now, when you see then what this sanctification is God, then we have to see the nature of it. This is a foreign language to many people that claim this experience. I've had people get very angry with me about being sanctified. And the very fact that they were angry told me they weren't yet. Amen. They would curse me if I'd have let them. Amen. If I'd have hung around. Listen. Sanctification is Christ. I received him. I'm sanctified. The Bible says I'm holy in Christ. That's the one truth that's kept me going. With all the flaws, all the failures I'm holy in Christ and when God sees me in Christ I am just what he wants me to be because God never starts till he's finished oh hallelujah he's the only one can do that he never begins till he's finished and if I'm abide if I abide where he put me then I'm ultimately going to wake in his likeness now what, what does the term sanctification mean Now we look at the scriptural usage. To know the meaning of a word, you have to look at how the word is used. Many words suffer connotations because the way we use them, we change the meaning of them. But we have to look at the scriptural use of the word to understand the nature of sanctification. Now the first meaning is to separate that's the first meaning of sanctification is to separate. Listen to me. Amen. This idea can be traced all through its connection with the ceremonial uh, things of the Old Testament. This idea of separation. God has always separated those that were his. Separated them. Made them a different people than the people around them. It's always been. The idea of separation is first suggested in the idea of creation. When you have the account Of creation. God's first work, order, law, and light out of chaos was to separate light and darkness. But He didn't annihilate the darkness, He just separated them. You got to know that. I said, you got to know that or the devil's going to trick you up. He didn't annihilate the He just separated it. Hallelujah. I live in a world that's full of sin and full of death. But I've got a life that has overcome that. I'm in a world, but I'm not of a world. We are the aliens that they're looking for out there. They don't recognize us. They want to get rid of us. But we're people born from above. Didn't come in on a UFO. Don't have ears like E.T. But I am a new creature. I'm not of this world. I've been birthed from above. Now, he did not annihilate the darkness. He separated it from the light. Subsequently, we see him in the spiritual realm separating his people. You find it all through the Bible. Listen, he separated the family of Seth from the worldly race of Cain. He separated Noah and his family from the ungodly world. He separated Abraham and his seed from the idolatrous generation that he was a part of. The very meaning of the word church is to be called out, separated. The word ecclesia is to call out of darkness into the marvelous light. Paul said, I've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son. The darkness is still there, but I'm not a part of it. I live in a world that's dark, but I'm light. The Bible said we're light of the world. This is the meaning and the nature. First of all, it's separation. We've lost that in most churches. And I don't know any church but Pentecostal churches. I've never been anything but a heathen till I was born again in 1949. Never been a Baptist, Catholic, or nothing but a Pentecostal. But today, it's hard in most of our churches to know where the world starts and the church stops. The world has got churchy. And the church has got worldly, and you can't separate one from another. And I can tell you when that happens, it's no longer his church. No, no, it's no longer his church. There's something got to happen now to turn that thing around. He said, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. When we've come to that point, you can't tell the difference. Amen. You can't tell the difference. I, I see the women dress like the, every other woman. I see people in the church divorce their wife for the same reason the world divorces the wife. I, I've even read in the newspaper where preachers go to movies to tell which ones that their, their congregation ought to go to. You hear me? I'm talking about supposed to be, Pentecostal preachers, Amen. When I got born again, there was no movies. The worst thing we had was Hoot Gibson, Mister. Ain't no sex and none of that in it. But we didn't go there. I said we didn't go there, and we didn't go because we didn't want to go. We we're people that loved God. We we're people that knew God. It wasn't a matter of rules. This was our life. we try to strap people from the outside. Won't work. You got to get them born again. Keep them in that altar. Amen. Till they're born again. To each individual the same call. Come separate yourself. Come out from among them God says. And be your separate. I'll be your father. And you'll be my son. If you come out, come out, sanctification then means our voluntarily separating ourselves from evil. That's what it means. Voluntarily Uh, shun the appearance of evil. That's what God says to us. Live such a life. I'd rather get to heaven and find out there's some things I could have done than to miss heaven, trying to find how close to this rotten world I walk to be right with God. We've lost our effectiveness because we've been like them. And the reason we're not persecuted, we don't have any gospel. The enemy, the enemy still attacks anything worth attacking. Let Jesus come alive in any heart. And he's going to be the object of the attack of hell itself. Amen. It's not the extension of evil, but putting off or laying aside of evil. We're to separate ourselves, not only from our past sins, but also from our sin as a principle of life. We're to separate from that. The choice has to be clear. If it looks like it's not right, then leave it alone. You can do without it. People come to me and say, do you think so and so is wrong? I said, it's evident you do. You wouldn't be asking me. Why are you bothering with it? I mean, lay it aside. It isn't worthwhile. If it disturbs the peace of God in your heart, I don't care who calls me radical. I just want to walk with God. I'm not looking for success. I'm looking for approval. You never find the term success in this book. Paul said that I might be approved of God. This world standard, he died of failure. All Asia forsook me. All Asia. Demas left me. Amen. The churches. He died alone in Rome. But 2,000 years later, there's a million of us come to know God because he lived. Hallelujah. 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 Jeremiah, by all accounts, is a failure. If you go over what we've come to judge success as, amen, have a circus fill the church up and call it success. All you've done is destroy the church. My papa taught me that you never forget force anything to grow that you're not going to kill. If that's going to be a brood sow, you don't feed her like the one you're going to make bacon out of. You force that church to grow with carnal means. You kill that church because there's more carnality than there is spiritual. Sanctification. Amen. Amen. We're not try to gra- We're not to try to gradually improve our unholy condition. We're to put off the old life and act as if it didn't exist. The Bible said, "Reckon yourself dead to that, but alive unto God." Amen. Reckon yourself dead. Every instance in the Bible when it talks about that old nature, it's past tense. Have crucified the flesh and the affections and lust thereof. The victory is there, present. What was. Happen- Absolute with Christ is potential in every one of us if we'll walk with God. I said if we'll walk with God, if we'll be obedient to God, we are to separate ourselves from the sinful self. Reckon yourself dead, indeed under sin, but alive under God. But second, sanctification is a choice. The nature, it's a choice. Not only is its it... Is it Separation is a choice. We are to refuse every suggestion and impulse that's not God. No matter what it is, every impulse, every suggestion that's not God, we're to refuse it. Now the Holy Spirit will never work till you make your choice. You're not a robot. God doesn't want robots. God wants men and women that are constrained by the love of Christ. And if it doesn't, if it isn't right, if there's any color about it at all, then leave it alone. Amen. You, you, you do well. Amen. Just to leave it. We're to. It, we're to turn away from it. We do not do not have to annihilate the evil or to resist it on our own strength, but by a definite act of the will, we're to separate ourselves from evil, hand it over to God, totally renounce it and allow him to do what he wants to do. God's power always comes when we make the right choice. Heaven never said a word till the Hebrew children said we're not going to bow. Then God said to Jesus, meet them in the fire. And the fire couldn't burn them. Water can't drown them. Lions can't eat them. If we make the choice. Amen. That's the key to it all. God's power comes. We separate ourselves. God makes the separation good. He never forced it. We also separate ourselves from the world and its own natural conditions of things. We, we, we've come. We don't want to be looked upon anymore. We want to be like everybody else. We want a king. Amen. We, we want to be like everybody else. Today, I, I got in the mail many years ago in one of our, uh, Sunday school publications, the adult quarterly. I say this because I wrote them, told them. I never bought another one in there. They said, we shouldn't be so dogmatic about the Holy Spirit. We might offend some of our brethren don't believe in this. Amen. I wrote them. I said, I'm going to tell you, the method is going to sprinkle whether you like it or not. The Baptist is going to preach eternal security whether you like it or not. And I'm going to preach this Holy Ghost whether they like it or not. Amen. It is as imperative that a born-again believer be filled with the Holy Ghost as it is for an unregenerate man to be born again. You cannot live this life apart from the Holy Ghost. If you walk in the Spirit, you'll not overcome. You'll not be overcome by the flesh. You know, I wasn't saved out of Sunday school. I was saved out of hell, out of a gutter. And there was a fear in me. I didn't want to go back. I didn't know, I hadn't been taught, couldn't quote John 3.16 when I got saved. But I remember just being saved, wasn't filled with the Holy Ghost yet, seeking him. Because you didn't go to those churches out seeking. Hey Amen. You you just knew you're going to leave or they going to drive you crazy. you getting getting that altar. They're going to preach this because they knew what's going to keep you. I remember worried about, worried about if it would have fall back. God took me into the Bible and showed me the millennium. He showed me there every man sitting under his own vine nobody making him afraid righteousness covering the earth as waters cover the sea lions eating straw with a lamb and a kid playing with a snake and the snake won't bite him amen I looked at all of that and God said to me these people are not saved for the most part read the 20th chapter of the book of Revelation when the devil's lucid took out after him and he said neither is that lion tamed amen He just can't do anything else. If he's thinking at all, he said, why am I eating this straw when this fat lamb is laying here? That snake is saying, why don't I bite this kid? But God said to me, they're not saved, they're not tame. But the Holy Ghost in that glorified church holds this universe in absolute subjection to God for 1,000 years. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And he said to me, How much more will his Holy Ghost hold the passions of this flesh in absolute sway? You don't have to sin. You can walk with God. You can be holy. You can be holy. Because He who is holiness lives within you. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. We not only put off that which is sinful, but that which is natural and human, so that that also may die on that cross and be raised into the new life. Amen. Listen, if any man be in Christ as a new creation, old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. The Holy Spirit ever leads to a deeper separation walk with him. And the mark and measure of a man led by the Spirit is that that man or woman is more and more occupied with Christ. Amen. The measure of the measure of of success uh, or the measure of any work of God is a measure of Christ. That's all. It's a measure of Christ. Not how many hands you counted. Not how big that building is. Amen. That building houses a church. That's not the church. And there's no house ever built for the glory of God. This is God's house and God's glory comes out of this temple that's sanctified to him. Some of the greatest services I ever saw was in little bamboo churches where they don't even have running water. The Holy Spirit leads ever deeper not only from evil but from earthly Lifting us up into a supernatural life all along. As we live the cross, then resurrection life is working in us all the time. As you and I live this cross, amen, then that life, there can be no resurrection on this side of the grave. You've got to die. And as you walk and live this cross, then that resurrection life is coming up all the time. And the end result is not I. But Christ. Not I, but Christ. For me to live is Christ. Now what is the practical force of this thought that we're setting forth here tonight? First of all, it's this. As God shows us our old sinful self and every evil working of this fallen nature, we're to hand those things over to Him with His full consent of our will. He's always dealing with you. Amen. I've been walking for 49 years with him. And he's always dealing, allowing you to come into situations where things show up in that life that you never dreamed was down there in that old nature. And we're to hand that over to him with full consent. Doesn't matter if it's religious or whatever else. If he puts his hand upon it, I must allow him to touch it. We separate ourselves from all of this handed over to him with the full consent of our will then we're to reckon those things no longer having control over us once we've handed them to him now listen then he'll lead us to see things that might not be called sinful the church may tolerate them the preacher may preach that they're all right I can tell you if you really walk with God, you're going to find yourself on a different road than most of the people you go to church with you hear me? If you really walk with God, you're going to find yourself on a highway almost alone out there. Amen. As you walk with he'll lead you to see sins that might not be called sinful yet they're not incorporated into the life and the will of God. And if they're not incorporated in that life, they don't belong in my life. You hear me? They don't belong in my life. No sir. We're to separate ourselves from these. Do we want the power of God? I can tell you it's a position. I said it's a position. Daniel had as much power in Babylon as he had in Jerusalem. Because he never allowed Babylon to get in him. He was there. But Babylon wasn't in him. We let him put to death all that's not Christ. And raise up in us and raise us up into this resurrection life a walk in the spirit of God now the measure of effectiveness then in your life and the life of this church is a measure of Christ that's all nothing else not how well you can sing not how good you can preach not how many scriptures you can quote but it's a measure of Christ was Christ there did the people sitting on that pew see Christ or see you what did they go out saying he's a gifted man a great preacher. Or did they leave the house saying, I saw Jesus tonight? Robert Louis Stevens, the great writer, was a Christian man born again, had tuber- tuberculosis, suffered terribly most of his life. They come out of church one Sunday morning, and the lady said, Good morning, Mr. Stevenson. How is it with you? He said, The clouds of adversity hang low, but I've been to church, and I. I'm not discouraged (laughs) Oh, I'd have liked to have been that pastor Yes, sir I've been to church That just means I saw God today Everything's all right No matter what it looks like Everything's all right I saw God today Amen As we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit We see we're delivered from the death struggle with evil And the terrible struggle with self as we follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Oh, more and more I'm getting on top of that. Hallelujah. I've learned you pray through on anything. Any one thing. And if you don't backslide, you'll never have to deal with that again. I prayed through tobacco 51 years ago. Or nearly 50 years ago, rather. Never had any more problem out of that. Amen. I prayed through in Moscow. Man, my wife went to Moscow to put that first school $45,000 I had to pay for the first one. Didn't have a dime for the second God, it takes nearly $80,000 a month, but it comes into that office because it's a will of God. Are you listening? I said, if you pray through on a thing and you won't backslide, I'll just leave that as what it's all about. If he don't pay for it, then forget it. If he's through with it, then I ought to be through with it. But it's coming to that. He made folks give me money. You never believe. Don't tell him, but Brother Richardson gave me $15,000. Carl, I'm talking about. Yes, sir. At second school, he saw what was there. I said, he saw what was there. I'm just telling you that if you walk with God, then you're God's responsibility. Amen. I said this morning, a man of faith is a man who can pray to God without praying on the people. Yes, sir. That's the mark of a man of faith. This is the key to life. As we sanctified, walk with Him. We're His responsibility. We follow the Holy Spirit. Amen. Is our part only to hand a gag over for execution, and gladly consent, consent that the Lord can kill Him. Amen. Don't don't have any fellowship with Him. No matter how long you've allowed and fellowship with Him, hand Him over to God. God will not move against evil until you authorize him with your glad consent when he shows you in that life that which doesn't please him it may please religious people other folks may do it every day but he dealt with you he'll never deal with it until you hand it over to him and allow him to slay it like Joab's army of old he encamps before our city sends a message that Sheba must die or the city will perish our hands are. To hand Sheba over, that's all. Just put her outside the gate, hand her over. Sanctification, though, finally means dedication. This is a this age when people stand before a microwave screaming at it to hurry up. We're folks in a hurry, it's a world of the throwaway, throwaway babies. I'm nothing. Marriages are trial marriages anymore. There's a dedication to nothing in this country anymore. And hardly in the church. They'll do, they'll do if you, if it's what they want to do. They'll go if it's where they want to go. They'll give if it's some little pet, something they want to give to. But dedication is almost lost in the church today. It's almost a lost art. We just come. We're not committed to anything. If the preacher don't preach what you want him to preach, there's another church down the road. It's a tragedy of our time. No wonder. I said, no wonder the church is full of AIDS. No wonder it's full of AIDS. Amen. We pick up the refuse from that body. When God flushes out that body, it floats down the stream. We had to kick a deacon out because he is unfaithful, wouldn't pay his tithe, maybe committed adultery. But all he's got to do is float down the stream they'll make him a deacon again. And then wonder, there's nothing, nothing on this earth more infectious than human refuse. We just, we just make allowances for everything. Dedication is a lost art among us. Sanctification, not only a separation from, but it's a separation to. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, sir. Not just separated from that world, but separated unto God. The radical idea of the world is to be, of the word rather, is to be set apart, become the property of another. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. And if he owns you, he owns what you have. That's all. Whatever it is, your house, your car, your kids, your money, whatever it is, is—that that's a meaning. That's a radical use of the word, is to become the property, totally the property of another. Jesus said that. Amen. We allow God to possess us for His purpose and working out of all His holy and perfect will. This is the meaning of Romans 12 and 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body, as that living sacrifice it's true God has bought us but he'll never force us to surrender but if we submit when those elders came to that rocky time to Samson they came to the man of God they've, they've, they've moved into high-powered ecumenical thing they've made agreements with the Philistines They've agreed we'll drop some of our more radical teaching. Never ask the Philippines to drop nothing. But we'll drop some more. And they come to Samson, and I think what they said. Now, why are you continuing this? You hiding out in these Lehigh mountains. And every time that enemy caravan, every time our friends now comes along, you go down there and strip them and rob them. Why are you doing this? We've made an agreement with them. Why, we've agreed we've got, why, we're experiencing some real growth, man. That's right. We've got got a deal made with the Catholics again, and we're experiencing some real growth in the church. He said, because they did it to me. They said, you're going to either quit or we're going to deliver you into the hands of the Philistines. He submitted to that church. He said, "How You can bind me up if you promise me you won't touch me. I never had much fear for the devil, but I sure am afraid of that church when it goes after me. He said, You can tie me up, but don't you touch me. You know, they, they they tied him up. Look, God didn't look for robots. He looks for those who are constrained by his love, who choose his will. This is what the term consecration means. This is a whole meaning of the term. They dumped that man of God out there in front of them devils, and they shouted, that is the wrong thing to do. When they shouted, he shouted back. He broke those things they had him tied with grabbed the jawbone of a donkey and killed a thousand of them. Yes sir killed a thousand of them with the jawbone of a mule. I've heard preachers preach that that was an old dried up jawbone. That isn't true. says a brand new one. In the book of Leviticus it said the firstborn of every creature is God. But the firstborn of a donkey you either, you either give something in his place or break his neck. That's a new dedication somebody had just killed that donkey for god with that new consecration new sanctification new dedication he killed a thousand of that enemy let the church come back to that place submit to god there's not enough devils in florida to keep us from doing the will of god but we've got to come back to that dedication that separation it's a privilege to give ourselves to the one who pledges to make us all that we would love to be, and whose wisdom, power, and love can accomplish it. It is a clay yielding itself to the hands of the potter that it may be shaped into a vessel of honor, meat for his use. but finally, sanctification means filling. Now, if you didn't get all the other, I want you to get this as we come to the end. It means filling. Sanctification means filling. The literal translation of the old Hebrew word to consecrate is to fill the hand. That's the literal meaning of that old Hebrew word here translated consecrate. It suggests the deepest truth in connection with sanctification. To fill the hand. (coughs) Now, Christ himself must be the substance and supply of our spiritual life. Nothing else. He fills us with his own spirit and holiness. He comes and fills us. Now, after the most sincere consecration, you come in this altar tonight. Lay yourself on this altar openly. Just bear your soul to God in the deepest consecration you ever made in your life. At that point, all you are now is an empty possibility. That's all. You come, and when that dedication is made, you have only become now an empty possibility. Amen. It is he who makes us real. Our purity must be the imparting of his life, our peace must be his peace within us but in that dedication, in that consecration, I now have just presented myself as that empty possibility I don't have anything to offer him I'm just open to be filled with the only thing that can make a difference in life, our love must be the love of God shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost our faith which receives all grace must be the continually supplied by the Spirit of God. We bring to him an empty hand, clean and open, and he fills it. That's a demon of sanctification to separate, present him that empty possibility, and he fill it. He fill it. Now, we give ourselves to him fully, understanding that we do not pledge the strength of goodness to do what we've asked him. When we come into that altar and we pledge ourselves to God with the understanding, I do not have the strength. I do not have the resource to do what I'm here for tonight. You come into this altar tonight with that attitude toward God. Amen. Now, he takes us, recognizes the responsibility he assumes, makes us to make us all that he requires and keep us in his perfect will. I give myself to him. I want to be what you want, but I have no resources to do that. I'm absolutely incapable of this. He assumes a responsibility to make me then what I've given myself to him for. That's what the scripture said. He will do it. God will do it if I put myself in his hand. Now God only wants us To give him the possibility of our lives and let him build upon them his structure. That's all he's asking of you tonight. In this camp meeting, he wants us. We're at the final run of this age. Christ is coming. Somebody is going to walk with God. Somebody is going to make Christ real. It may as well be you and I and to do that I said to do that all he wants me to give him the possibility of my life I don't have no talents I've watched him in altar service say to young people come give your talent to God he don't want your talent he wants you he may never let you sing another song amen or he may have you singing everywhere he wants your life the empty possibility of your life that's all God wants He wants no performance. He wants habitation. He wants to live through you. That's what he asks. Listen. He will out of our possibility construct a temple of holiness in which he will live. If you give him that tonight in this altar, say unto him, I do not have the resources for this, but I give myself as this empty possibility, and you assume the responsibility. And on that he will construct a temple, a holy temple, in which he will abide. He will come and live. But from the foundation the work must be divine. Every bit of it. It cannot be touched by human hands. It cannot be part God and part you. From the foundation throughout the work must be new and divine. Jesus is the author Jesus is the finisher of our faith and the true attitude of the consecrated person must be one of constantly yielding and constantly receiving all the time, every day. Now the last, this last view of, of consecration to be filled, to fill the hand. Listen, this last view gives the boundless scope to spiritual progress, you see. This is what gives the possibility of life. I present him this empty possibility. I have nothing to offer but this body. Amen. This vessel empty for you to fill, to do with. Then the possibility of that progress is limitless. It is here that the gradual phase of sanctification comes in. Complete Commencing with a complete separation from evil and a complete dedication to God. Sanctification now Advances into the fullness of Christ. It's moving now to the fullness of Christ. I have nothing to give you but this body, this empty possibility. Even it grows up the measure of the stature of the perfect personhood in him until every part of the being is filled with God. Every part. Working from the inside out imparted the graces of Christ within us and as it worked out through us then it's no longer I but it is Christ we become a channel at that point to receive at that time that empty possibility becomes a channel to receive from God and a medium to reflect the grace and the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ where we can truly say for me to live have we learned something of the significance of sanctification? Have we taken God himself as the fullness of our emptiness? If we have, we've come a long ways tonight in becoming the final vessel to be the voice of God in this earth. When in an altar of God, we present ourselves as just an empty possibility to be filled with god so that we can say with the great preacher it is no longer i that liveth but christ that lives within me let us stand hallelujah hallelujah blessed be the name of the lord blessed be the name of the lord